The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Good morning. It is Wheels Up Wednesday, 13 minutes after 6. And we're starting today kind of like where we started uh, yesterday with, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, Spectrum television, phone, and uh, Internet just uh, goes down dead, dead, dead in uh, southern Oregon. And that means that uh, KCMD is uh, down for the count this morning, 99.3 in Grants Pass. I'm sorry about that. I went up there this morning trying to see if there was a way for me to affect a, uh, a temporary repair. I went up there about eh, 2.30 and uh, was you know, going through the equipment, seeing if there's any way to get a, a signal, just not enough. Uh, yeah, what I was hoping to do was just to rebroadcast the KMED FM signal and uh, rebroadcast that uh, on a temporary fix, and there's just not enough signal in the downtown area where our studios are there. And so uh, we're having a punt for another morning on that one, but uh, just wanted to let you know, hey, Sorry, but we're going to, we are going to get a backup system put in on this one because I have to tell you the uh, the experience of the last couple of days for streaming over the uh, internet and uh, depending on the internet to get things delivered has been uh, severely tested. <laughs> Let me put it that way, all right. And uh, I was talking with Steve Porter, who is our landlord for uh, KCMD up on the uh, mountaintop, and he's uh, agreeable to us uh, working on some backup facilities to uh, to help keep the signals on because uh, i don't know it's um do you get that impression that what i'm seeing being described as a crisis of competence not confidence a crisis of competence is growing in the united states of america little signs of cracks in the system that just you didn't ever really see all that often it just, it just kind of, I mean, it's more than just the fact that, you know, you can't uh, find your inhaler at the uh, at the pharmacy like uh, some people have talked about, although that's a very uh, important situation. Now, here it is yesterday. I went down, well, here, here's just another example. I ended up uh, heading over to get some gas yesterday because people were telling me, hey, and I was down to about a quarter of a tank. I normally uh, fill at a half, but uh, I've been doing busy, uh, busy doing other things and didn't get it done. And people were saying, hey, you know, there's a gas shortage that we're looking at here in the Rogue Valley. So really? Gas shortage? What, some, some bad weather has, uh, has done a gas shortage? Yep, sure was. Started driving around, and the, uh, the two stations that I'd normally go to here in the uh, Medford area shut down tighter and drum out of gas. Wow. All right. Now, there's a 7-Eleven across the street at uh, one of them, so I went over there. And the only gasoline which was available was premium. So you had to pay some more, but, you know, at least it was available. And the lines everywhere, seeing lines, everybody else, uh, you know, getting ready to uh, to top that up. And why is it that we're seeing shortages of gasoline here in the Rogue Valley? Well, it has to do with the weather. It has to do with uh, challenges at Oregon Department of Transportation, too. Oregon Department of Transportation has uh, been complaining that it doesn't have enough money in its maintenance budget to be able to pay for enough crews and enough uh, gravel and pea gravel or whatever it is that you use, you know, cinders to uh, end up uh, clearing the road. And it's not necessarily around here. It's up in the Eugene area north where they've been having the ice storms and everything else. The problem that we're looking at here is uh, those um, 
those trucks aren't making it to the Rogue Valley. Wow. So you have that situation going on. Gas trucks aren't coming here. And then it only takes, I mean, isn't it amazing, though, when you think about it, how thin the membrane is on civil society? When you look at this, just a couple of days of bad weather in the northern part of the states, and all of a sudden the gas pumps start running dry in southern Oregon? Well, that's kind of a teachable moment. Pretty good to know. And that's happening with just some bad weather. We're not talking about a big natural disaster such as the uh, you know the earthquake that everyone's been talking about for a long time. Or let's say if there was, uh, God forbid, ever some kind of a war on our uh, on our land, now you can see that kind of stuff uh, potentially happening. Everybody seems to be wanting to push a war for some reason. I wonder why they're doing that in Washington D.C. But you know, I digress. So when you see those things happening, though, with just two or three days in, I was uh, reading that Sherms, Sherms Thunderbird, was having trouble getting some produce in here too. Normally, they would go to the northern part of the state to be able to uh, to get. Some produce, but they were happy to go more to the south. The weather is actually a little bit better to the south, and uh, and so they're having to change some things around. So, I guess the uh, <laughs> the normal the normal celery, which was brown and turning mushy, you know, is has been replaced with uh, with different celery, brown and turning mushy. And and by the way, that's not just sherms. That's something else that you know that crisis of competence that uh, that I was just talking about. I was reading about why it's been difficult to get better produce in here into the Rogue Valley and other cities. And what we're finding out, at least some of the research I was finding out, is that what goes on is that there are trucks that are just sitting at produce stocks waiting to be loaded. And you have to have a certain expertise to get these trucks loaded properly. I forget the exact terminology. And I'm just spitballing here, but it seemed like a reasonable a reasonable theory as to why some of the produce is starting to look uh, so dingy when it ends up making it in here into the Rogue Valley because uh, something which was picked and is ready to be uh, eaten in relatively short order might be sitting around for a few days before it gets properly loaded onto a truck and then brought up here to Southern Oregon, Southern Oregon and, uh, and Northern California. At first, you're thinking that it's just the uh, supermarkets that are just trying to give you a raw deal. It's like, no, no, it's not that at all. It's That's what we're dealing with, that crisis of competence. And it just seems to be spilling over. And I don't want to be, you know, doom and glooming here. I'm just, it's an observation that just seems to be, uh, you know, coming at least to me. Maybe you could give me an example of something that you have seen that uh, makes you wonder if adults are really in charge of the United States of America. Because it's not looking that way uh, for sure. Oh, here's another example. Here's another example. Just yesterday, I ended up going into a community a pharmacy because my mother got out of the hospital. I brought my mother home from Providence yesterday. She'd be in there for she had been in there rather for a few days, uh, being treated, and uh, she got all pumped out and back up in the uh, the upright and locked position. So I brought her home, and I had to go out and get some new medications. And the medication that I was looking for was not uh, an unusual medication. But uh, so I pop into the pharmacy thinking uh, no big deal. And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you which. Uh, I think it was a it was a diuretic of some sort for my mother, right? I forget the name of it. But it was a relatively common uh, common one. 
And they said, well, we only have uh, 12 pills left in the entire pharmacy, so you might have to come back uh, next week and next week and, uh, and get the rest of the prescription. I've been going to pharmacies off and on for years for parents and relatives and things like that, and I can never recall ever having been told that I was going to have to come back the week after that and, and, do, the, uh, and do a complete refill. First time I've ever, uh, you know, had that happen. But to me, it, it uh, appears to be the system is trying to tell you that they don't have really competent people in charge right now, wouldn't you think? Or does it mean something else? We can talk about that and other things. But uh, join in with what's on your mind today. This is the Bill Myers Show on KMED and KCMD. 770-5633 if you wanted to uh, call in. Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc., Southern Oregon's roofing experts, want to serve you. This family-owned and operated team of experts would love to help you feel safe with a long-lasting roof over your head. From estimate to install, you'll be amazed with the workmanship this team provides. New construction, re-roofing, tile, metal, composition, skylights, and tunnels. Westfall makes it happen. Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc. gets it done. No more leaking, no more squeaking. Safe and secure. That's the Westfall way. Call today. CCB number 230804. Hi there, Dusty here from Dusty's Transmissions. You know, there's nothing worse than getting stuck out there in the cold. So you want to make sure your 4x4 is working correctly. Maybe time to think about servicing your transmission, transfer case, and differential. Does your vehicle have work obligations or family trips coming up? We've been servicing transmissions and gearboxes since 79. Everything from the oldest vehicles to the newest diesel truck, family SUV, car, and even hybrids. So give us a call. Dusty's Transmissions in Central Point. Hey, 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 it's 2024, and I want to help you buy a new Ford or new-to-you certified pre-owned vehicle. Joel here from Butler Ford and Truck Center with the New Year discounts and low-rate financing. Let's make your new Ford an F-150 XLT 4x4, where I've got 60-month financing at 3.9%, plus 5,500 in total discounts and rebates. One more time on that rate, 3.9 for five years. That's how Ford trucks cost less in Ashland. I've got low rates and big discounts on Ford Escapes and red-hot Ford Bronco Sports. The Bronco is a fun one to drive. Come check it out for yourself in Ashland. I'll show you. I've got acres of Fords and certified pre-owned, so come down and we'll help you find the vehicle and payment that are, well, right for you. Remember, Butler says yes to low interest rates. Butler says yes to big discounts and rebates. Butler says yes to giving you more for your trade. Remember, Butler Ford and Truck Center. We're only 12 minutes south of Medford, right off of exit 19, where you already know. We've got your truck, your SUV, your certified pre-owned, and electric vehicle. Discount after all four rebates and dealer discounts. 16 other payments at 1837 for 1000 finance Hi, I'm Lamont from Orleans, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. 623. Started talking off this morning just, uh, you know, observing a a crisis of competence. Is that uh, what we're experiencing here in Southern Oregon, in the United States in general? I don't know. Chris is here. Uh, Chris, good to have you on. What's on your mind? Go ahead. Uh, hello, Chris? To the pharmacy. Yes, I'm here. Oh, yeah, great. Great to have you on. Welcome. Okay. Um. To speak to the pharmacies just real quick, because that's not really the point that I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. um, I will tell you that there are powers in the big stores. Um, even a Walgreens can't compete with a Walmart or a Costco. Um, really? I've seen this. Yeah. Um, I, I know people personally who have gone to other, I mean, like a chain store, like a Walgreens. And not been able to get stuff or to uh, oh, CBS that's out of Target. Yeah. Um, 
they they cannot touch Walmart and Costco. And I've only one time I had to come back where, and it was a pretty rare medication, and they kind of got me on the order list because I take it all the time. So, I mean, we got that, we got it handled, but. So, so that might be why, but, you know, I was kind of surprised because it was a relatively common drug that I was uh, told that I was going to have to come back. And you're thinking, all right, you know, common diuretic, you'd stock some of this. I guess maybe that's not what's going on because of the uh, pricing pressures from the Costco's and Walmart's maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I, I actually, like I said, directed a friend. It's like, just go to Walmart. Mm. I've never been, not been able, we take the same exact medication. And like every other time he was going, he was being told that he was going to have to wait or they only had so many pills. So, so it appears the system is designed to crush any uh, smaller or independent pharmacies. That's it, huh? Well, yeah, as far as the pharmacies go, but as far as the the, um, crisis of competence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of competency. um, I I think that it's really more of the destruction of the workforce. We still have lower labor participation rates from 18 to 54 than we have since the Great Depression for adult men. Mm -hmm. And that's the guys that are unloading those trucks. And nobody wants to go to work. Hmm. Um, even even people that are at work, when you go into like a Walmart or even like Safeway and you're going through and you go into the grocery section and there's their, you know, 19-year-old, 22-year-old employees leaning back on a pallet and, and texting on their phones, nothing's getting done. So they're paying more. Per person, but they're not getting the value that you know. Back in the day, you went to work and you worked. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, and, interesting. You you talk about they hate to look at that as a, a generational uh, sort of thing, but uh, we've heard a lot about the younger generations uh, being problematic. Well, I don't work to live. I uh, well, I don't live to work. I you know work to live. You know those kind of things and. It, Right. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I was reading a story. In fact, this, this just, uh, you know, astounded me. It was uh, a 20 something year old lawyer who had graduated from college, right? So graduated with a, a law degree and was offered a job at a really nice uh, law firm. And then, uh, mm-hmm. so she starts, it's like May or June or something like that. So she starts the uh, job and says, Oh, by the way, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be gone for the month of July. Uh, because my friends and I are going to get together. We're going to get in the car, and we're just going to drive across the country and explore America for a while. And the law people, and they told her, uh, no, you work here for a year, and then you get two weeks off. That's the way, you know, the rule. <laughs> you know, that's sort of, oh, no, I, I just want to let you know. I'm, I'm just going to be gone in uh, in July, all right? So uh, apparently we're looking at people who have um, – Never really experienced a rough time yet, Chris, I guess. I mean, maybe that's, you know what, minds have not been sharpened yet, perhaps? Well, they think that they're living in the end of time. They they think that we have just ruined the world and, every, you know, America sucks and oh. the environment sucks. And so why should we participate? <laughs> yeah, the environment sucks. Some of the most amazing uh, land that we have out here, you know, today, and it's just all bad. Right. <laughs> okay, well, I guess uh, never uh, underestimate humanity's capacity for self-delusion. 
I really appreciate the call, Chris. Thanks for making it this morning. Keith's in Cave Junction. Keith is hanging on. You're actually not on the road today for a change, huh? How you doing? Uh, we've had it. We've been going pretty. Hey, good morning. Good morning, we've been going sir. Pretty slow. Being careful. Yeah. With our equipment, we're a small firm. We're not going to put our trucks in glass ice. I mean, you know, frozen or, or what do they call it? Freezing rain, where you get a sheet of of, of ice and, and on the roads and stuff like that. That has, I mean, there's been chain requirements from Drain North, and it's breaking today up there. It is. I'm not going to, uh, and I'm not going to address the uh, the the DC the distribution bottlenecks, mm-hmm. other than saying that it slows things down. You have government regs on hours of service that slow you down to begin with, and if you get up, you know, you can. If you get to the point where you've run out of hours for your workday, you have to get to a safe haven. I was at a Winco yesterday, and yeah, I was noticing all the the produce being deleted or or diminished in volume. Yeah, and yeah, you, the, you start noticing that you start noticing the third world produce, right? You are the you know the the Russian style produce. <laughs> and I and I and being being in the business. Indirectly, I was talking with a forklift operator who was, by the way, working hard, and he was an older man like me. But that being set aside, there are deliveries that come at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock p.m. are now arriving at 6 a.m. They're arriving at 5 a.m. They're arriving at an appropriate delay time due to road conditions. And I'm sitting at home. I'm not getting back on it until tomorrow because we're giving it a day. It's supposed to break up there. It's supposed to thaw by start calling right around 8 in the morning. Good. Um, and we're giving it a day. Just all the, all of our, our uh, customers up north, all the shippers that we deal with, they they're not going to work either because – it's an ice rink up there. Okay. It's a continental cold that comes down the Columbia River when it hits these low pressure systems in that Willamette Valley, it turns it into a go home, stay home situation. Indeed. Oh, and so it's a pretty fragile situation. Could you answer this question for me, Keith? All right. I'll try. I'll All right. Try. Now, I ordered a couple of hard drives from uh, from some company. It was being uh, sent out of. Uh, Fontana, California. Okay, via via UPS. So I got uh-huh. so I got a tracking thing from them. It was supposed to yeah. come yesterday, and I knew it wasn't going to come yesterday because of all the stuff that's been going on. So on the eleventh, it's in Fontana, California. Then the package is processed. Then later that day, it ends up in Silmar, California. Then it's back in Fontana, California, departing the UPS uh, facility, and then four days later. It's in Fife, Washington, outside of <laughs> outside of Seattle, right? And I'm and I'm asking where, myself, I know where Fife is. okay, you know where Fife is, right? And I'm thinking to right. myself, wait a minute, that hard those hard drives went by us here on Interstate Five. Why wasn't there some way to get into a facility here? Why did it have to go to Fife outside of Seattle in order for it to be sent? Back down here in the Rogue Valley. I, 
Okay, who comes up with this stuff? I'm going to tell you a similar story, and it may or may not help. Okay. I used to pick up a food product in Liverpool, California, and I would take it to Winco up in Woodburn, and Woodburn would repackage, ship it back down to the local Winco store near Liverpool or Livermore. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way the DC systems work. I don't have an answer why they couldn't drop off your packages at the local UPS store. They, I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, but but you can understand why you would scratch your head. It just seems to be such a waste to send it all the way to Seattle and then to send it all the way back down the I five corridor. When you already went past uh, once, you know, just the weird. Story I just, the story I just told you is 27 years old. So this is nothing new, I mean, in other it, words. It just All right. happens. It just goes <laughs> Keith, I love hearing from you. appreciate the call. Thanks for that. Let me grab line two. Hi, KMD, KCMD. Good morning. Yeah, Joel, hot on the news. Hi, okay, Joel. We got, uh, we, got, we got cocaine found on Biden's holster. Uh, <laughs> you supposedly got rid of. You know, the oh, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Hunter Biden's, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. There's uh, a yeah. good, good, good snorting time, I guess. Apparently, yep. Yeah, yeah. Trump's still in court over uh, an apparent rape in a store that no one ever. You know, if, if a girl got raped in a department store, you think she'd uh, alert the management before she left the building? Um, but uh, uh. the big story that was, it turns out, a hundred thousand acres of Oregon land is owned by a Chinese billionaire mm-hmm. comes to be directly tied to the big boys and uh it took 10 years to find this out and god knows what other how much other land he bought up and hey hey, hey. <laughs> I, I i'm just trying to listen i'm trying to figure out when your dog's gonna stop you know? hey 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 kids yeah well we have puppies oh my god we got mud we got mud yeah it got frozen everywhere else but it didn't get cold enough to freeze the the, the ground out here. Yeah. The last quarter mile out of the property. Uh, okay. The, uh, well, let me, you know, you know something, Joel. Just to put a little closure on that hundred thousand acres of uh, Chinese-owned farmland here in the state of Oregon. Now, I can't help but uh, wonder uh, if there was any facilitating done by former members of the state legislature in Oregon back in the days when everybody was uh, going over there and scraping and bowing to our 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 new Chinese friends over in Asia. Couldn't help but wonder. All right. Let me go to line three. Hi, KMD, KCMD. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? Hey, Bill, it's deplorable Patrick. Good morning. Are you there? I am, DP. What's going on? Oh, I'm so tired of all these important subjects. I just thought I, in order to maintain my status as a deplorable, I thought I'd bring up something that's pretty irrelevant. Okay. cute. And your previous caller uh, just mentioned the town of Drain. Yes. Up in up to the north of us, and I just want to uh, blow their cover and uh, tell you I've been driving truck up and down I five for you know decades, and uh, drain is off of I five a little distance, and I drive by there and I'd think, why in the world would any town name themselves drain? What a pitiful name! Well, one day I got a opportunity to go in there and get a load and i found out why the name is drain why is it it's to fake you out 
Really? It's to make you think it's like nowhere, nowhere you'd want to be. But if you go there, it's a gorgeous little town. Isn't that something? So uh, Drain, Oregon, the name Drain is uh, designed to kind of uh, camouflage. You camouflage, you know, who the hell wants to stop and drain, right? That makes sense. Makes as much sense. That's that's exactly it. It's a gorgeous little town. Now, I remember something the exact opposite on uh, the old Highway 58 uh, between Barstow and Bakersfield. When I would drive there, there, yeah. used to, there used to be this little town. There was, I, I think it's still there, called Keene. And so you'd pull off Highway yep. 58 onto uh, Keene, and it's not particularly Keene in any way. See, that's the opposite sign. They're trying to attract something which isn't really there, I guess. Yeah, I've been there. It's near Tehachapi. You can yeah. Yeah. watch the train go around the Tehachapi Loop from there. Man, that is one thing I do miss about living in Barstow. When I was a 19-year-old kid, my first radio job, and I'm living in um, Lemwood, and I was right across the uh, street from a uh, bar called the Dew Drop In. I don't know if it was the same one for the Charlie Daniels song or not, but uh, <laughs> but it was right next to the Santa Fe the the Santa Fe railroad tracks, and so I would get to watch them lash up twelve, thirteen locomotives to pull the big trains over the uh, the Tehachapi and the um, and the other passes. I just just love that. That was a great great memory. DP, great hearing from you. Thank you. Let me go to a line one, and then we're going to wrap. Eric Peters is wondering why I haven't called him yet. Hi, who's this? Good morning. <laughs> morning, Bill. Jeff and Selma. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Well, to, uh, to back up what the lady was saying about the pharmacies, yeah. when, when Oregon created the corporate activity tax. Oh, that's right. How how soon I forget about yeah, that. Bymark closed all of their pharmacies because the corporate activity tax even though it's only 0.57%, it's on the gross. And it, the, it doesn't matter if you made money on that million dollars. You're just making, you know, you're having to pay on that, whether you made money or not, right? Well, it, the pharmacies themselves don't make a lot of markup on the on their uh, items. High volume, low markup, right? High volume. Okay. And then you have the corporate excise tax of 66 to 7.6% on the profit. Hmm. So as much as... So you tax the gross, and then you tax the profit on top of that. Okay. All right. Gee, no wonder that I'm having to go back for my pills, for my mom's (laughs) pills next week. All right. Thanks for the economic lesson, my friend. It's 639 KMED KCMD. Furnace on the Fritz, this is Randall at Advanced Air. Make sure you and your family stay warm and cozy all winter long. Advanced Air provides preventative maintenance on your furnace so you don't have to worry about costly repairs or getting stranded in a cold house. Advanced Air and Bryant do whatever it takes to deliver dependable home comfort solutions to local home and business owners. Don't wait for furnace failure. Call Advanced Air today and check out Bryant products online at myadvancedair.com. Intelligent, innovative, award-winning heating and cooling solutions. MyAdvancedAir.com. Bill Meyer with Sharice from No Wires Now. So glad I switched to Dish. And if your listeners have DirecTV or cable TV, they're paying too much. And you made it easy to switch. Plus, I got the Hopper DVR and Dish's very cool voice-activated remote. Call today, tell me what you have, how much you're paying, and I think you're going to love Dish. I'll even help you lower your existing internet and cell phone bill. Call Sharice like I did. 541-680-5875. NoWiresNow.com. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Internet and cell phone service are not provided by dish.
News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. This is Bill Meyer with your NBC5 Morning News Update. City of Grants Pass looking for ways to improve police services and having to make some tough budget decisions this year. City has been surveying residents about cost-cutting decisions for months now. And now city officials are holding a public safety listening and learning session, sort of a town hall on the topic next week. Over the past few years, Grants Pass has made more than $4 million worth of cuts to police and fire. Two options being considered to bring in new revenue, their general sales tax and a utility fee. Meeting will be held a week from tomorrow, next Thursday, January 25th, 6 o'clock at the City Council Chambers. Weigh in with your comments there. And if you can't make it to the meeting, the session will be streamed on the City of Grants Pass YouTube channel. Most of Southern Oregon seeing a slight improvement in weather conditions with temperatures warming up. Meanwhile, snow and ice causing delays in dangerous conditions in other parts of the state, according to ODOT. To the north, a lot of freezing rain, freezing temperatures, and traffic backups on Interstate 5. ODOT advising motorists to carry emergency supplies at all times, food, water, medications, warm clothes, and tire chains. Asante Rogue Regional Medical Center and one of its physicians have agreed to pay $430,000 to settle health care fraud allegations. This according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Oregon. Former Asante doctor Nicholas Engstrom filed a whistleblower lawsuit accusing Dr. Charles Carmissi, an Asante cardiothoracic surgeon, of billing patients for unnecessary procedures and procedures he didn't do. I'm Bill Meyer and that's the latest from NBC5 News. Bicoastal Media's Best of Southern Oregon magazine is online at bestofsouthernoregon.com. Find the winners in nearly 200 categories by flipping through the magazine online or sort by category and discover Southern Oregon's best suppliers of goods and services, like the Retro Wormhole, Father and Son Jewelry, and Agave in Bloom. Congratulations to the award winners from Bicoastal Media, publishers of Best of Southern Oregon. Nominations for 2024-25 start in spring. Visit bestofsouthernoregon.com. Got a mess with the IRS or a tax date with the state? You may need representation. Visit FirstResponseIRS.com. First Response Resolution, your local tax resolution experts in Eagle Point, defending your rights as a taxpayer. Visit FirstResponseIRS.com. American Rancher Garage is your premier auto care provider, serving Medford, Central Point, and the Rogue Valley, providing nothing less than the highest quality standard of professionalism on every single service and repair. Call today. Appointments are available for oil change. Engine change. Get the peace of mind you deserve at American Rencher Garage on Biddle across from Elmers. 499 6673. 499 6673. American Rencher Garage. We stand behind every job we do with service you can trust. The Bill Meyer Show. 1063 KMED. 993 KCMD. up Wednesday. Eric Peters, automotive journalist and genius over at epautos.com. Eric, how the heck are you? In fact, you have a, a great story there called We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> and apparently yeah, this is... came in handy, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it did. It did. It, uh, it, sort of, it sort of did. And, you know, the uh, electric vehicle bloom has certainly come under a lot of uh, reality uh, female dog slapping uh, kind of, uh, kind of st- can you understand what I'm talking about? You know, yep, that, that's I, uh, I, I saw a picture of there was a there was a guy 
who was standing by a bricked Tesla in the Chicago area. It was sitting over by the Chargers, you know, along with all the other ones that were bricked sitting at the Chargers. And I guess they weren't charging or they weren't charging fast enough or whatever it is. And it had said, a man is expressing frustration standing next to his uh, his electric vehicle or something like that. And, I, and then I looked at that and a friend of mine called me up and said, well, I saw that same picture. And I was thinking at least the carjackings aren't happening, you know, and <laughs> like, you know <laughs> just made me laugh. You know, and I'm thinking, friend, hey, I'm just glad. Looking at the positive side of things, okay? So anyway, uh, we didn't start the fire. What is that all about, uh, your premier article on epautos.com? Let's hear about Well, it's about one of the other problems with electric vehicles, which is their tendency to spontaneously combust that you and I have talked about before. And I led in with uh, another news story about another EV that uh, that spontaneously combusted in somebody's house, burned itself up, burned the house up. But the the real thrust of the story is all of the special equipment that these fire departments now have to have in order to deal with these extremely hot, burning, reigniting electric vehicle fires, including such things as a gigantic tarp that they use to drape over and underneath the EV to try to uh, dampen the the oxygen supply to keep the thing from burning, and yet it still smolders. And then they have to drag the smoldering wreck to the junkyard, where in order to keep all the other junk from catching fire, uh, they tend to have to put it into some kind of a big dumpster-like thing. Yeah. Um, and, 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 don't, and don't they have to – well, I was reading about what Phoenix, Arizona was uh, was doing. Their fire department was having to experiment to try to find a way, oh, hey, hey, how do we put these things out? And they put them in the uh, in a dumpster, and they filled it with wet sand, if I recall. Is that what they're yeah. doing in your story? Yes. And, and now mm-hmm. the question arises, who's going to pay for all of this? Do you think that uh, the local fire departments that are going to have to have all of this additional special equipment are going to buy it out of the goodness of their hearts? Or do you suppose that your property taxes are probably going to go up in order to provide the equipment that's necessary to deal with all of these EV fires? Yes, the public safety fees will be going up. That's how we tend to pay for it uh, around here. It's taxes by another name. It's it's one of those things. You know, people won't vote for property taxes uh, anymore. And the other thing, too, and you and I have touched on this before, but it's something I think people are already finding out about in the mail uh, that being their insurance is going up, not just the car insurance, but also the homeowner's insurance. And this uh, this business of the EV fires is part of what's driving that because underwriters, insurance companies are looking at it and they understand that there is an inherent risk of the car catching fire. And there's nothing that the owner, the homeowner can do to prevent that from happening. It's just now part of the calculation. So even if you don't own an EV, the fact that your neighbor might and that his house might go up in smoke and somebody's going to have to pay for that, guess who that's going to be? So there's a bit of socialization of the uh, costs of the EVs right now going on. And uh, you see how the uh, insurance rates have been going up for automobile, for auto and truck uh, policies over the last year. And it wasn't just inflation, too. Uh, there was, uh, you know, this story here, and I think you referenced it over on e- on EP Autos, but uh, there was an analyst that had talked about how Hertz was dumping a good portion yep. of their electric vehicles because yep. people weren't uh, using them. They didn't... Uh, I can understand, you know, you're in a strange city. The last place you want to try to do is find a supercharger, you know, in a weird city and then sit around there while uh, while all of the criminal diversity is hanging around you. You know, I yeah, am you hungrily, on you know, that, on that score. You know, you're, as you say, in an unfamiliar city, you're probably there for business. You need to get uh, to the airport to catch your flight. And we already have to deal with all of the hassles involved in that, including getting there an hour before your flight. So do you really want to add into 
uh, your day having to think about, well, okay, I'm going to hope that this supercharger is open, and I'm going to hope that there isn't somebody else ahead of me, and I'm going to hope I have plenty of time. And, oh, and by the way, you are hoping that the supercharger or the other charger actually works. That's another yeah. big problem we're hearing more people reporting yeah. about. All right. You know, and if you don't, then what? You know, minimally, you're going to take this discharged EV back to the rental car lot where you know what's going to happen. They're going to do the same thing to you uh, that they do when you bring back a car that's got an empty tank because you didn't have time to put gas in it, and they charge you like eight or nine bucks a gallon for whatever the, the remaining fuel is. Yep, I that's heard the well. kind of thing you're going to get hit with with these EVs. Yep, absolutely, except they're doing it uh, writ large. But speaking to the point, though, back to uh, what Hertz was doing here. It was interesting to hear the uh, the people from Hertz that are saying, well, people enjoyed the experience of the electric vehicle, but I'm trying to think of how, we, how they phrased it exactly. Oh, it was uh, the maintenance costs. And you know how everybody's talking about how, well, the EVs, well, you don't have to do oil changes and things mm-hmm. like that. And they're absolutely right. You don't have that. You know, that sort of regular maintenance that you have on an internal combustion engine. Yep. Yeah, you don't have that sort of stuff. But what Hertz found out was that even minor collisions – caused huge repair bills yep. going on Absolutely. because yeah and and I have a feeling that what is going on has uh, it's now f- starting to get out that even a minor collision on an EV quite often can bend the frame to the point where n- I mean who wants to sign off on that battery being good right uh, speaking to your yep. point of the uh, we didn't start the fire right that kind of thing yeah, well there's two issues actually you know one doesn't even have anything to do with the battery it's that a lot of the assembly techniques that are used putting an EV together uh, involve composites and glues rather than nuts and bolts and metal. And it, it takes special uh, equipment, training, and so on to repair one of those things. And then you've got this additional factor of the battery itself. Even if it's just a minor fender bender kind of a thing, there's this unknown worry that perhaps the structural integrity of the battery pack, which is enormous, and you know typically it's something that takes up the entire floor pan of the, ve- floor pan of the vehicle, might have been compromised. And that could potentially mean that the thing is going to catch fire. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, you deal with it by taking out the battery and inspecting it. And who's going to disassemble the car to remove the battery to yeah. do that? The it's, not, it's, not that you, it's not that you can just slide it out of it. It's not that kind of a uh, situation. Yeah. Hmm. So what they do is they end up just deciding to total it. You know, Even though the, the, you know, the physical damage to the exterior might be trivial and could be fixed, they don't want to take the chance in the thing going up in smoke and potentially killing somebody or taking out uh, you know, a multimillion-dollar parking garage. So they just write it off. And again, guess who gets to pay for that? All of us, because you know, what happens is that our insurance rates, people who drive a conventional car, your insurance rates go up because you have the potential of striking an, uh, an EV and having a very expensive repair bill. Even, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. And it, there are just big costs through society. I think people are starting to figure this out. Hertz certainly figured it out, too. And uh, they're selling, uh, I guess, 20,000 of them. I guess you can buy them cheap at this point. At a fire sale price. (laughs) No pun intended. Hey, and by the way, you know, while we're talking, you you made me think of something, too. It's it's, it's just interesting that these same people who warble constantly about how concerned they are for our safety seem to be utterly unconcerned about the fact that these monstrously heavy EVs are out there now. For example, the F-150 Lightning, it weighs 6,000 pounds. You can imagine what's going to happen when a 6,000-pound vehicle hits a 2,800-pound vehicle. That's probably a safety issue, but apparently it doesn't matter. No, uh, I suppose not. Although I heard Lars Larson, our afternoon guy here on uh, KMED, KCMD, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a listener uh, who ended up bringing up the point that you made that we used to have 50-mile-an-hour or 50-mile-per-gallon vehicles mm-hmm. uh, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, and yep. and they were uh, but they were light, right? 
And then, yep. but then Lars brought up the whole thing about well, no, the the ones that you have right now are safer, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to yell at him. In fact, I think I'm yep. going to write him a note about this. At Lars, you know, we used to have the choice of being able to buy something that uh, was lighter and 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 did well. Now everybody has well, to be fat and tubby and well, and expensive. Safety's kind you know? of safety's a, a, an abstraction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, in that I, back in the day, back in the '90s, I used to drive around a '74 Volkswagen Beetle. And sure, if I pile drove the thing into an oak tree, it probably wouldn't have been very safe. But that didn't happen. Whereas the efficiency is a tangible, real thing that you get every day as a benefit. So, yeah. of course, there's a certain risk in driving a light vehicle that might not do as well in an impact. Well, you know, if you're going to use that logic that every vehicle has to be heavy, then you might as well ban motorcycles, which I'm sure some would like sure. to do, right? That well, kind of thing. Would, you know, the only reason we have motorcycles is because they kind of got grandfathered in. If it was a new thing, if somebody invented the motorcycle now, mm-hmm. they'd never allow it. Yeah, point well taken. Eric Peters with me this morning, epautos.com. And uh, let's see, uh, Dodge Hornet RT. So you uh, have a review up on that right now. What did you think? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Well, it's, you know, it's Dodge doing the best that it can, uh, given, given difficult circumstances. You know, the Charger and Challenger have been retired. Apparently the Charger, something that looks like it, is coming back uh, for 25 as a battery-powered device, sadly. Um, but that leaves a big gaping hole in their lineup, so they had to come up with something. So they came up with this little re-skinned uh, Alfa Romeo Tonale. That's a, mm-hmm. a model that they sell in Europe, and they also sell it here. And now it's the Hornet, which used to be made by AMC. And I was I was tra- I was trying to remember. I, I I remember there was a Hornet. Who did that? Yeah, yep. you're right. AMC. Boy, that's a blast it's, from it's the past, this, huh? It's hard to keep track of all this weird verbiage. You know, yeah. Ford decided to resurrect the Maverick nameplate, and of course, the Maverick was a car back in the '70s, and now it's a hybrid truck. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and so now we've got the uh, the AMC Hornet, which used to be a rear drive, very economical car, and also one that you could get with a V8, by the way. And now it's owned by Dodge, and Dodge is calling this four-door plug-in hybrid crossover, a Hornet. So it's a little confusing. Good car, though? What do you think? Well, it's the best we can do right now. They're trying. You know, Dodge is trying hard to keep that performance flag flying. So it's the most powerful small crossover in the class. Uh, The model that I reviewed had a 288-horsepower plug-in hybrid drivetrain, uh, much quicker than anything else for the money. And you can drive it for about 30-something miles on battery power. Now, it's not a V8 Charger RT, but at least it's not another transportation appliance. Okay. Uh, so it's not a 2-liter super turbocharged four-cylinder? Well, it's a 1.3-liter. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> you know, I can almost start writing what the equipment is on all these uh, new cars that you talk sure. about. All right, all right. So so now a two-liter four-banger is just way too big and piggy, you know, for today. All right. Yeah, that's the new muscle car engine, the two-liter four. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. I can't wait till my 1.6 of Vanagon diesel is considered a, uh, you know, amazing performance vehicle. All right. But, you uh, know, it's not, a bad, it's not a bad thing if it had been put into the lineup with the Charger and the Challenger because not everybody... Uh, can have a two-door muscle car or even a four-door muscle car as their daily driver. And, you know, Porsche did something like that when they they brought out the the, the Cayenne, which is an SUV. You know, they mm-hmm. used to only sell two-door sports cars. And there are a lot of people who wanted a Porsche. They've got kids. They need a more practical vehicle. So the Cayenne filled that bill. And this Hornet could do that for Dodge. And it would be great if it were in the lineup along with the Challenger 
uh, and the charger. So it would keep people in the fold. I don't think it's going to keep people who are already in the fold right now who buy chargers and challengers within the fold because they don't like cars like that, frankly. All right. EPAutos.com. Eric Peters with me this morning on the Wheels Up Wednesday segment. Eric, you have uh, switched into a new social media world, and I was yeah. kind of surprised. I guess you got tired of Twitter. This is even Twitter yeah. or X under uh, Elon. And yeah. tell us about your story, because uh, I- I've been looking for a new home. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, but I'm, yeah. d- I'm just there just because a bunch of people are there. Facebook doesn't really like me, and it's always warning me that, be careful, we're going to delete your page. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't tell me what they're angry about, but you know, it's just the way yeah. it is. I'm always being nagged. What's up with you on social media? Well, let's start with the fact that uh, what they call X is still Twitter. It's just been rebranded, and it's the same same kind of ineffable, uh, remote, distant, leftist-controlled platform that will very quietly suppress uh, your feed or your posts. You know, they let you post, but it just sort of goes into a quiet room somewhere where people Mm -hmm. don't see it. Right. And I found it increasingly frustrating to the point of exasperation, so I decided to start – uh, doing something other than being Charlie Brown trying to kick the football that Lucy holds. Remember that from the Peanuts cartoon? Oh yeah, remember uh, well, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always I think I always think of that every time the Republicans say we're going to fight this time. All right, but mm-hmm. anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. Yeah, the left is not interested in debating us. They they want to suppress and silence us, and I think that we're foolish if we continue to play on the left's field. So I decided to look for a different field to play on, and the field that I found is Mike Adams. Uh, Brighteon site. I know Mike Adams is the health ranger. Yeah, the health ranger, yeah. Natural news. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, and the point is, you can. it's very similar to what Twitter is in the sense that this is a place where you can, uh, you can share your thoughts, you can post articles, but he does not suppress speech. So I really like that, and I've become an active uh, promoter of it, as well as that's where I put a lot of my stuff now. Okay, I'm going to have a, take a look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is, uh, does it uh, allow live video? Do you know? I, you know, I'm not sure about that. You can definitely post video because I've already done that. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you can do live. I'll look into it, though, and see. Yeah, just uh, just let me know because I'm always uh, okay. looking for uh, for something else. And I'm not happy with uh, most any of the social media yeah. offerings at this point. And uh, and you're right, though. One of the challenges that uh, we face if you're not of the uh, of the insipid left is that the enti- all the platforms are controlled by the left, even if they claim, nope, 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 we're re- re- being even. And even then... I don't look, uh, you know, I don't look at Elon Musk as a friend. I look at yep. occasionally he says something that I agree with, but I don't make the mistake of uh, of thinking yep. that he's a friend. Right? That's all I'm yep. saying. Okay. Yep. Nor I exactly for that same reason. And you know, the other thing that I find objectionable about these leftist social media platforms is there are no rules per se, other than we can do what we like. Yeah. You'll, you know, you mentioned earlier about the guidelines and all of this. They don't tell you when you when you've done something they don't like or why. They just say. You know, you've, devi- you've, you've violated our community standards, and it's up to you to try to divine whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And that just gets, that gets old after a while. Yeah, the part that uh, Facebook really got over, just, just went to town on me, was when on Valentine's Day a couple of years ago, I posted a funny meme, which was, uh, you know, it was like uh, all the bloodthirsty dictators wishing people a happy Valentine's Day. And it was like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Tr- Trotsky has the hotskis for you, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, oh... Oh my gosh! I was just doing the most uh, evil thing ever because I'm sure the, Hitler must have been in there at some point. Yep. You know. All right, let me uh, go to the phones here. You're with Eric Peters. Good morning, KMD KCMD. Hi, who's this? Welcome. Hi there. This is yeah. This is Terry. Terry, fire away. 
last night I was I watched a guy on YouTube that breaks down engines that have blown up on him or done whatever. Oh, is that the guy that says uh, I do cars? That that, that channel? I, I think so. Yeah. I just saw one clip of him. Anyways, um, he broke down this one engine that's technically a V8, and I've never seen this on an engine, and I'm probably been around for forever, but I have no idea where they block off two of the cylinders and just run it as a V6. Why do they do that? Oh, I saw that. It was a yep. um, Jaguar uh, engine, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know what it was. I just caught the tail, tail end of it. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, Eric, do you know anything about that Jaguar engine? It looks uh, it actually has the space in there for an eighth cylinder. Well, seventh not specifically, eight. but I know, you know a number of manufacturers have uh, have brought to production what they call variable displacement technology, and that goes actually back to the late 70s and early 80s. If you remember Cadillac's V864. Oh, I remember it well. And it was uh, it was horrible. Was not really ready for prime time at the time, and I <laughs> it think it's still a bad idea. But that sort of thing, they they do work on it because it's a way for them to try again to to deal with these government regulations. Oh, I, I think I maybe you misinterpreted what we said. They actually have the space for the seven and eight cylinders, but there's nothing there. Oh. Is what I was saying. Is what he was saying. This Jaguar well, I mean, engine. I guess it's just a matter of balancing it. I don't know, you know, as far as the rest of it, whether the rest of the valve train is in place or what the cylinder heads look like. I mean, I'm, I'm, I assume it's doable. My question would be, why would you do it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it has to do with uh, we'll just add a uh, we'll just add a different crankshaft and a piston or yeah. two if we need. <laughs> kind of a Lego, uh, you know, build that. I, I saw the same video that he was talking about. Hi, KMED, KCMD. You with Eric Peters. Who's this? Good morning. Hey, uh, this is Sherm from Sam's Valley. Hey, Sherm, hey I want to mention something sure. on your topic. I would like us to bring back to life Ralph Nader. I will tell you uh, the bumper thing and height, all the different, uh, well, yeah, safety glass, et cetera. When I imported my Carmagia from Europe after I was there three and a half years, uh, I had to go through an inspection in New York before I could remove that Carmagia from the port. Now, I've been before the county commissioners over at uh, the Jackson County Highway Safety Commission. We can't have these guys with tires outside the wheel wells. These jacked-up trucks, they'll go right huh. over the top of these small cars. Huh. <clears throat> okay. You have a thought on that, what Sherm was talking about, Eric? Anything on your mind? Well, sure, yeah. You know, if, if there are different safety standards applicable in the United States versus, versus those in Europe. So if you were to bring over a model from Europe, for example, um, back when this first started to happen, back in the 70s, people would bring in Italian exotics. And in order for them to be legal in this country, they had to fit them with these grotesque bumpers uh, to meet the, the federal impact standards. And also, there were lighting issues. You know, in, in, in countries like Germany, they had different headlights. Sometimes they were yellow headlights, and you can't have those over here. At least you couldn't, so they would have to modify them if they even allowed them at all. And it's all a bunch of specious claptrap, in my opinion. Uh, you know, getting to Nader, who is this guy? What gives him the right uh, to decree what's safe for you and I? You know, I'm a perfectly competent adult, and I can make my own decisions, and I'm sure everybody listening feels the same way. All right. Let me grab one more call. Hi, KMED, KCMD. Who's this? Hey, this is Chris from Grants Pass. Uh, I just wanted to follow up from last week. I called about the suburban recommendations for my family. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, what happened? Um, I uh, I kept looking and looking and doing a lot of reading, and it was just really disconcerting reading some of the um, reviews, even from stuff like 2014, 15, 13, like a lot of bad reviews and not really much good information or, like, you know, anything that made me really hopeful. And I've seen some at the dealership, like a 2015, for $33,000 with 85,000 miles. And I actually yeah. saw, like, probably three of them with about 85,000 miles. And I was wondering, like, is that, is that when the transmission goes out? Is that why everybody's turning them in right then? 
And um, I ended up uh, looking around on uh, Facebook, found a 1999 with 172,000 miles, paid 5,000 bucks for it. And I think I would be a lot happier. I jumped on that thing. There's no screen, and it runs great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, out- outstanding. You know, I would have also suggested if you'd struck out finding the uh, the Chevy to look uh, for something like an older Toyota Land Cruiser, as those things are completely unkillable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but but you found one a 1999. I'll bet uh, parts are still plentiful for that one. All mechanical, right? Not really computerized it, it yet. Came with a bunch of extra parts. The whole back seat was loaded up with all his extra parts. The guy kind of had it for a project and was fixing it up. And um, I think he did a really good job. He's got records of all the fuel changes or um, fluid changes he's done and was trying to keep it going. And um, the thing runs great so far. I mean, you know, and if if it blows up, twenty five hundred bucks. For an engine, you know, probably three thousand to get the transmission. I was going to say you can buy a brand like new ten thousand for one of the new ones. Yeah, yeah, you can buy a brand new crate engine, not rebuilt, brand new GM Goodwrench engine for that thing. I think for probably about three or four thousand bucks. So good job, thanks for the report. We appreciate that. Hey, Eric. Yeah, thanks for the help, guys. Uh, yep, you bet, Eric. I had Alan write me, and mm-hmm. he uh, he says, uh, Bill, I wanted to know what you and Eric Peters think about. Now, I'm not sure. I think there may be a typo here. It's the Toyota. Crown 2.5 hybrid. Is there a Crown hybrid or yes. is it? There is. Yes, unfortunately. You know, the Avalon has been retired. The wonderful oh. Toyota Avalon, which came standard with Toyota's even more wonderful V6 engine, is no more. Okay, and its all right. It's called the Crown and it's a hybrid. Okay, so it's a hybrid. Have you uh, heard anything or know anything about that? Uh, yeah, I haven't driven one yet. Uh, it should be coming sometime soon. I'm sure it's a well done vehicle uh, based on Toyota's history. Uh, you know, it's essentially the same drivetrain that's the that powers the hybrid Camry. You know, the Camry's a little bit smaller mm-hmm. than uh, the Avalon slash Crown. So a similar kind of layout, and it's Toyota's effort to be able to continue to produce cars. Unfortunately, it can't produce cars with V6 engines anymore. And he was saying that it was stickering at uh, Lithia for 41K, 38, yeah. 38 with a rebate. Is that about right in line with what? Uh... I would think, you know, if you go look and see what an Avalon cost, you know, an Avalon was very close to Lexus territory. Uh, you know, in that mid-30s-ish, mid-high-30s-ish area. So uh, comparable. But, of course, you're going to pay more. Isn't it wonderful to save gas? You're going to pay more for that hybrid uh, drivetrain because it's a two-piece, two-part drivetrain. Well, three-piece, three, three piece actually. You've got a gas engine, you've got the electric motor, and you've got the battery as opposed to just one V6. Hey, that's great. Eric, it's always good talking with you. What do you yep. got in the driveway for next week? Anything you want to... You know, I'm... I'm, I'm waiting to see what's coming. Uh, I think it's going to be a Honda Pilot, which will be helpful if the weather continues. Okay, Honda Pilot, decent vehicle from what I understand. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people buy them, so hopefully something good. Thanks for the call, as always, and please support Eric. Head to epautos.com for reviews and ask questions, great commentary, and, uh, and of course, all the news about uh, the open road and more, okay? Eric, thanks so much. Be well, okay? You bet, Bill. Thank you. Six minutes after 7, KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD, Grants Pass.